Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. We're so glad that you're here uh, to worship uh, with us. Uh, happy Mother's Day uh, to all the moms and grandma out there. What I'd like to do is just uh, grandmas. I said grandma. There might be more than one. Um, I just want to start by, by praying a prayer of blessing uh, upon you this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for our moms and the gift that they are and the sweetness that they add uh, to life. And we thank you for them and the role that they played in our own development and the role that they play in the development of our kids and the next generation. Uh, it is a job that goes unnoticed and many times underappreciated. And so, God, I pray that you will fill moms today with the knowledge that what they're doing is making a difference. And also, God, I pray for comfort. Uh, this day also brings mixed feelings and sadness to some who've lost their moms uh, recently or many years ago. And I pray that in the sadness that you'll fill uh, us with fond memories. And also I pray for those that just desire so much to be a mom but are not yet. And there's a period of, of waiting on you for that. And so God, we look to you even on this day, a day of celebration that you've given us life. We also thank you for the ones that have blessed our lives. So we pray for all the moms here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you uh, for being uh, with us this morning on this uh, beautiful day. I sent out an email, uh, which I usually don't do weather-related, earlier in the week saying, like, you know, dress warm because it's going to be rainy, and it's not. And so we're glad you're here on this beautiful, feels like summer uh, day. And we're continuing the series that you see here uh, called uh, Blindsided. And we kick this off uh, on Easter. And if you miss any week here at Ridgeview, you can always go online to ridgeviewchurch.com, and there's a tab where it says messages, and you can uh, click on that, and you can always listen, you can stream that. And we also podcast as well. So if you miss a message and you're somebody who podcasts, uh, you can just type in Ridgeview Church, and you'll see North Fontana, and you can get that subscribed and downloaded to your device uh, every week. And so we kicked off on Easter, and we've been spending the last few weeks looking at uh, emotions and circumstances that we all experience, but we don't see coming. That's really what a blind sight is. It's something that hits us and we never saw. Uh, but with these cases, it's, it's something that I think we, we all experience. So we've been talking about cynicism, and last week we talked about pride, we talked about disconnection, that feeling of being more connected ever, but feeling more alone. And today, uh, we're talking about uh, emptiness, and the premise I want to talk about is, is that feeling of when you reach for your dreams and you have goals that you set out in life, maybe even at a young age, and you get your goals or you get your dreams and you still somewhat feel empty. Or you have these goals and you have these dreams and you feel like as close as you get, it keeps moving back out of your grasp. And I think that's a common experience. We have these things that we want to see happen, kind of the world in which we create for ourselves and we we draw this picture of what it should look like, and sometimes it's not what we thought, or sometimes we just didn't get what we wanted. And we live in a country where the idea of chasing your dreams is something that, that's really uh, important, and that's not a bad thing. We see signs like this, America, a land of opportunity. You see that up there? Welcome to the land of opportunity. And many people come to this country uh, with that hope and with that dream that this is a place where life is going to come together for them. This is a place where my dreams will come true. 
When I was young, I remember watching, I think, my first, like, Disney movie, and it, it was Pinocchio. Anyone ever seen Pinocchio? Remember that? You know, it was, it was actually written in 1940, many, many years ago. Here's a song um, that you've probably heard that might be stuck in your head all day. So on the front end, I apologize for that, but let's listen to this together. It's also called How to Put People to Sleep at Church, like, right? And you guys, you're like, wow, I'm kind of tired all of a sudden. I never realized how mellow that song is. It's super mellow. Uh, but there's some interesting uh, points in that. You know, when your heart is wrapped in your dream, that there's nothing that you can't achieve. And I, I believe that that's something that at a young age, we used to go to a furniture store all the time. And I hated shopping with my family, especially a furniture store. But they always played Pinocchio. So I'd find this furniture, and I'd sit, and I'd watch this, and I would hear this song growing up, and hear it growing up, and hear it growing up, and it's the type of thing that you, you tend to believe. But here's the thing. My life has not been like that. My life's been more complex than just wishing upon a star. Can you guys relate to that? I mean, it's not, from what my own experiences are, it's not that, that easy, even as bad as I want things, because there's some wishes, but there's some dreams that I have that actually aren't good. And there's some things that may be good, but I just don't, don't have. And so we, we kind of get these, these messages on us on a young age, which aren't entirely bad, but what tends to happen is they don't come true. We, we have a decision to make. What do we do with unfulfilled dreams? What do we do with goals that, that we never meet? And what I, what I found in life is that you, you have a few choices. You keep trying, and you keep trying, and you're just chasing after it, or, or you give up. And that can lead to disillusionment. That can lead uh, to dis appointment. But did you have a dream for yourself growing up? Was there something that you always wanted to do when you were younger? Like a career? Shout it out. Just let's, let's do a little experiment. What was a dream you guys had when you were young? And this isn't rhetorical. I actually mean it. Nurse? Okay. A doctor? Okay. Chef? Okay. What? A car designer. What was that? Oh, okay. Archaeology. A vet. Okay. Okay. Any any other? You know any? Yeah, I was waiting for that one. I just want to be a sports star, singer. Did I hear a singer? You know, go ahead. No, just just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But, but when we're, we're young and we're kids, we have a dream of what we want to become, and, and usually there is no, no limit to it. When I was in high school, I wanted to be a, a musician. There was nothing more than I wanted. I had a dream to be in a band, and at the age of 16, 
I actually had the opportunity to go on tour with the band. It's like, as a 16-year-old, like, what more could I want? And the band came to me and it's like, would you like to go on tour as a 16-year-old? Let me think about, um, yeah, I'm ready and I'm available. And so at the end of my junior year of high school, I, with my parents' permission, packed up all my drums in cases and took a suitcase and flew to Missouri to pursue this dream of being in this band. It didn't work out. In case you're wondering, it, 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 it didn't work out. If you guys, have I seen him on a cup? No, it, it didn't work out. No, no albums. Can't find that. You can't Google it, and that won't come up. Uh, it, it was a dream I had, and, and God actually said that, that that wasn't the dream that I was going to live out. That wasn't actually his plan for my life. And God actually used that for my good. It was at that time where he actually called me to become a pastor. So at 16, I had to kind of leave my home and my comfort, and I had plans to be in a rock band, and God had different plans for me. And he allowed the circumstances of those events to lead me to this point. And so I'm thankful that there are some dreams that I had that didn't come true, but I had to really wrestle with that. I had to wrestle with kind of some frustration and some disappointment. And I think the wrestling that we have is this, this idea of being blindsided by emptiness, something that we think is going to fill us, give us identity, give us purpose, make us feel like we're whole people. Uh, when it doesn't happen, we, we feel empty and we're blindsided. I think so many people in this world are chasing things, and they get them, and they're empty, and it's an epidemic, whether it's the next job, the next paycheck, the next zero on their salary, the next house, whatever it is, the next relationship. There's people after people after people that are chasing things, and they wind up empty. The reason is, is is there's a normal course for life, and I kind of want to go back to creation of what we've been doing, because Creation gives us some insight into our wiring as humans because Adam and Eve, the first humans, give us this sense of this is how we operate and this is how we live. So as you look back to the beginning in Genesis, you find a lot about our human condition, uh, our meaning, our purpose, things like that. And so our normal pursuit in life centers around this. What's in it for me? We, We all have that. Anything we do, we're asking that question, well, what's actually in it for me? Is it worth the cost that I'm going to experience? And that's not an entirely bad question. It's good to weigh the cost of things. But there's something in us which we care about the outcomes of our life that we really want to know, what is this going to cost me? What, what's, what's in it for me? And, and you see in the beginning of time, God created humans in his image. And we're the only created beings that actually care about purpose in our life. The animals don't. Every other created thing, they, they, don't, they don't really care about their purpose. They don't have the same purpose that humans do. They don't care like meaning like we do. They don't care about the values like, like we do. So we, we're created different. We're set apart for a relationship with God. And we talked about last week that pride uh, separated this relationship because we wanted to have the power and the mind like God did. What was reserved for only him, we wanted for ourselves. And that began our, our sinful nature and the curse and being independent from God. Well, there's a further extension of that independence, and that is the fulfillment and the meaning that we have comes only in a relationship with God because he made us. So if you want to be fulfilled, and if you want purpose, and if you want meaning, it comes from him and him alone. But as soon as Adam and Eve decided to go their own way, that meaning and that purpose was now broken because we're no longer connected to God. So the God who gives us meaning, we don't have a relationship with. 
and the meaning that we long for, we don't have. And that's why emptiness is such a common feeling. Check this out in Genesis 3.6. Again, God warned the woman, you can't eat, and the man, you can't eat off of this fruit. You can't eat. You can have anything else. Everything else is for you, but you cannot do this. He placed boundaries on their world, boundaries to protect them. And Adam and Eve did what we all did, or what we would all do, and that's we want our own way. We want what we want. And this is what it says. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. I want to draw your attention. And if you like to take notes, there's a handout in your program, and you can follow along, and the scriptures are on there, and the main points are on there. But you may want to underline this phrase, pleasing to the eye, right here, pleasing to the eye. She saw that the fruit was good. It wasn't just good for food, to give her sustenance, but there was something about it that had a flashiness to it. It was pleasing to her eye. And that's the first picture of something that we're not supposed to have, something that we're not supposed to do, we want to do it. You ever seen signs telling you not to do something, and you never even thought about doing it, but now you see that there's a sign that you shouldn't, you're like, that's kind of an interesting idea. I've seen that, like, don't fish from your hotel room on the second floor, like if it's near the ocean. Like, I'm like, wow, somebody's done, that kind of sounds like an interesting idea. But I would have never thought about that. But when you can't do it, you're like, oh, but now I, I want to do it. We're like moths. We like the light. But we don't realize in life is that that's not light. It's an electrical current that will blow you up. And that, that's how it is with this pursuit of things that are pleasing to the eye. We, we look for it. We look for it. And we're just like moths uh, into the light. So I want to just summarize the ways that, that we do this. There's things that are pleasing to the eye. There's a question that we ask, what's in it for me? And this sends us on common pursuits. I'm going to go through this quickly, but see if you can identify these with some of the draw in your own heart. And then see if you can see these in our culture. See if you can see these celebrated in TV, in movies, in music. See if you can see these celebrated at your workplace, at your school, in your family. These are common paths that we take to try to give ourselves meaning, but we always end up empty as we pursue them. And I want to summarize the findings of Solomon, and I've looked at this as well. We've looked back at creation, and then we've looked at Solomon, who's written the the wisdom literature, some of it in the scripture. Solomon had unlimited resources. He was the wisest man that ever lived, and so he went on this pursuit to find out the meaning of life. Everything was at his disposal, and so when we read his findings, we're learning about things that he learned, and we can gain from, and we don't have to go on the same pursuit. But this is what he says. There's three things, pleasure, advancement, and riches. The first thing is pleasure. Check out his findings here. I thought in my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Interesting phrase. He says, I thought in my heart. Our heart is actually the thing that guides us. So when we say about wishing upon a star and following a dream, you actually have to be careful of what you're following. Because there's times when you could follow your heart and follow your dream, and it could lead to destruction. What Solomon is saying is, I thought in my heart, my heart is what guides me. It's like the cockpit of my life. I set the direction. I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. 
We're just going to go on this, this quest to feel good. And nothing was denied, but he says, but that also proved to be meaningless. And can you see that in the world? Can you see that in our culture? Can you see that in your workplace? People that are just trying to find out how they can have fun, how they can find pleasure to fill the void that they experience in their life. Nobody talks about it, but everyone does it. It's the pursuit of pleasure. The second pursuit is the pursuit of advancement. You see this a lot in the workplace too. Ecclesiastes 2 says this, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. And it goes on. It says, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. Now look what happens next. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So this is the picture of advancement of success. The pursuit of gaining more and more things and building more and more things so you can get your hands around your worth. It's the idea of I built my career, I can get my hands around my career. I built my bank account, I can get my hands around my bank account. I built these buildings, look at all my hands have done, as Solomon is saying. It's just, there was no one greater than me. I have built and I have achieved more than anyone else. And so he's describing all that you can measure and you can get your hands around. There's something in us, in our emptiness, we, we come against that, that pit and that void and we say, well, if I can just build something that I can see and it will give me worth. So it's so interesting that Solomon is playing this game with us that he's saying, look at all I built, look at all you can get your hands around. And then what does he describe? He says, a chasing after the wind. And that's what advancement is and that's what just achieving in this world is. You can spend your resources and your time and your energy building something you can get your hands around. And as soon as you get your hands around, what are you doing? You are hugging the wind. There's nothing there. So I'm saying, pay attention. That is meaningless too. So pleasure, advancement. And then the last one he says is, is riches. And th- this resonates. There's just a lot of, of truth in this. Check out this scripture. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Now, I'm one of those people that I, I kind of want to test this one out. Do you ever read that and you're like, that, come on, that, that, can't, that can't make sense. Because if you got wealth, who cares about your income? But Solomon is saying, like, no, no, I, I've done this. I was the richest that ever lived. Never satisfied, this too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. That's very interesting. So he's saying as you have more, and the more you have, you have more people that want things from you. That's actually a common thing that the wealthy find. You find family members you never had. Again, I wonder what that's like. But he's saying, I, I tested that. I, I proved that. And then, and what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? And then he says this, the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. What he's saying is if you get to a point where you no longer need to work, you think that you're going to reach the pinnacle of fulfillment. You're going to have everything you want. You never have to worry about money, paying the bills, a check bouncing. You never have to worry about that again. 
what Solomon is saying is it's actually the opposite. The more you have, the less at peace you are to the point where you, you can't even sleep because you're just so consumed with your money. I believe that's true. Because you look at the most successful people that have pleasure, you look at the most successful people that have advancement, the most successful that have riches, and what do you see in the world of those people? For the most part, it's misery. It's destructive. They are empty people. And what Solomon is saying is, is it's, it's meaningless. You will come up empty if you pursue these things. So, so here, here's the good news. There's, there's something more. There's something more that, that Jesus invites us to. And I want to spend the rest of the time looking at that. And that's that Jesus invites us for something greater. But before I do that, any, anyone like musicals, you know? I'm not going to sing, you know. Thank you. There's two, two and a half people that do. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Thank you. Um, you don't have to like them or not. But I want to show a, a clip from uh, The Greatest Showman. And there's a song in there that I think captures this pursuit and the emptiness that comes. See, see if you can identify some of the things that we, we've talked about. Let's play that. want to keep singing it. Just go ahead. Just let it out. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it's, it's actually a very powerful song. And it's so fascinating because this movie is actually a good portrayal of the pursuit of fulfillment, what you do to give yourself meaning. And it actually ends up with some valuable lessons in the end. But this song is a picture of this woman that's saying, without you, uh, it, it's never enough. All, all the riches, it's, it's never enough. Never, never, it's, it's never enough. What's so interesting is the you in this scene is a love and a man that she cannot have. So it's so interesting and it's ironic. 
Without you, it's never enough. But you can't even have him. And that's also where the emptiness gets us, is we can pursue all these things, but we still think that there's someone that can give us this meaning. So even if it's not found in pleasure, advancement, or riches, then we think it's in somebody else. And what Jesus is saying is, is there is no human that can fulfill you and give you meaning. Because as this movie portrays, it strikes this chord on you just long for somebody to love you. You long for somebody to be there for you. And it's a picture of even when you get that, that's not even enough. And the reason that's the case is, again, the only way you can be truly fulfilled is not found by any human pursuit or any human itself. It's found in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's it. That is reality. And I want to spend the rest of the time talking about what that looks like for us. So Jesus, he invites us to something greater. So I think the answer that we have in the world for people and for us, as we become disillusioned, as we relate to people that are frustrated and disappointed, we have an opportunity. If you're a Christ follower, you have an opportunity to give hope. And the hope is, if you've been living and pursuing everything for yourself and you're empty, isn't it time for something different? Isn't there maybe a different way? If everything you're doing is not fulfilling you, Maybe there's another option. I was reading this author that was talking about this, and he, he's, he says this, the alternative to living for yourself is dying to yourself. Now, that's not the type of phrase that you just lay on somebody in the lunchroom, like, you know, you thought maybe dying to yourself might, might help? That doesn't make any sense, right? Like, what, huh? But it captures this essence of we can fill our lives with our dreams, our goals, our pursuits, and get there, and we're still empty, And so what he's saying is, is if you get to the point where you're pursuing this, isn't it time that you maybe stop pursuing these very things that are just multiplying your emptiness? The idea of dying to yourself is no longer living for you. And that's where the call to Christianity is counterintuitive. Because Christ is calling us to actually not live for us anymore, and you find hope, and you find purpose, and you find meaning. But as humans in our rebellion and in sin, we think that the only way that life works out is we have to be the center. And what Jesus is saying is if you're the center, the feeling you have of emptiness will always be there. You have to change the center of your life, the leader of your life, to Jesus himself. I want to share uh, this from John 12, which is Jesus describing really the sacrifice that he was going to make on the cross. And this is what we celebrated at Easter. And what he's saying is, is, when you actually die to yourself, more comes from your life than if you just try to consume it and get everything you can to please yourself. This is what he says. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. and Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And Jesus was predicting again the sacrifice that he was going to make. He was that grain of wheat that was going to die, be put into the earth. But because of his death, the fact that he laid his life down, much fruit would come from it. And there are now millions and millions of people 
who found hope through Jesus Christ that have returned to God and they have meaning. There are millions and millions of people that have returned to God through Jesus Christ and they have purpose and they have fulfillment. So what Jesus is saying is if you want to counter your emptiness, you can no longer live for the kingdom of me. You have to live for the kingdom of God. And his call is to build into the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of me. The kingdom of me is doing all I can to just add meaning and purpose to my own life through the pursuits that that we've talked about. But the kingdom of me, it always comes up empty. I was thinking about this. If all I had was my own life and my own resources, what kind of an impact could I make? Even if I could, like Solomon, if I could go on this pursuit and I could do all I can to make a difference in this world, what's, what's the difference that one person can make? And one person can make a difference. But you can't make the same difference as the kingdom of God. And here's why. The kingdom of me, just my own world, it's too small. I can't make that much of an impact. I can't. Why? Uh, my resources are too few. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money to help people. My power is limited. I can't change people. I can't change myself. So the kingdom of me, it's limited. Uh, The other problem is my motives are mixed. If it's just me trying to make a difference, I really care a lot about me and how everything works out. And we all do. But with mixed motives, there's just a lot of selfishness that we have to battle inside of ourselves. And as we do that, it's really hard to make an impact because we're always just kind of fumbling over ourselves. And so what Jesus is saying is, is it's not about dreaming more. It's not about achieving more. It's not about focusing on how you can make a difference more. It's actually changing the way that you lead your life. And to change the way you lead your life, it's not a new strategy. It's a new leader. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's calling us to do this. And so the kingdom of God is something that we can build into. There's three ways that that happens. The first is by serving. And we're all at different places, but I want to highlight these three things because these are some things that you can do right here and right now. Uh, we planted this church to expand and grow the kingdom of God. And I believe that one of the main reasons we're doing this is to give hope to people that are hopeless. That's something that really is on my heart. And it's also to give people a purpose who don't have any. And it's this idea of people who are pursuing and chasing, chasing all they have is, is the wind and they're, they're coming up empty. And so part of building into the kingdom of God is you build into his church. And the kingdom of God expands as churches expand and as they reach people, and as more churches are planted, as more churches are planted. Each church that's planted in a city is like a beacon of light that penetrates the darkness. And that's what we're trying to do here. There's a lot of darkness in North Montana. It's a great place to live, but there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of emptiness. There's a lot of disillusionment and frustration. People that are pursuing and pursuing and pursuing and pursuing, and they're just hugging wind. They have nothing to show for it. And so to build into the kingdom means you build into the church. And the first way is you, you can serve. And we've got a great group here that are serving, but you know what? We have room for people to still help and serve. So if you want to serve here at Ridgeview Church, that is a practical way you can build into something bigger than yourself. So if you're interested in serving, you can just write serve on your connection card, 
and we'll follow up with you at some practical ways to do that. The second way is to give. To build into the kingdom of God, it's something that you, you actually give towards with your resources. It happens with time that shows up in serving, but it also happens with, with money. And you ever come to church and you're always like, when are they going to talk about money and everyone's a little nervous? So I'm talking about it right now. Just so, if, is he talking? Yeah, I am. But here's the deal. To follow Christ, you cannot go around what that means for your checkbook and your savings and your money. God wants to lead you in your finances just as he wants to lead you in your marriage. It's in every single area. And so one of the ways you can build in the kingdom is you give to it. If you want to know what's important in your life, look at your checking account. See what you spend your money on. Are you building into the kingdom of God or to the kingdom of me? Now, if you're not a follower of Christ, that doesn't apply to you. You actually don't have a responsibility to do that. But if you are a follower of Christ, you're commanded to give to the kingdom, to expand it, and it will cost you. Literally, it's, it, it costs. So to build it in the kingdom means I build it in the church, and part of that's it's giving. And there's offering envelopes in there. And I don't say that flippantly, but it's a reality. Part of how you've got to build outside of you is you've got to give to something outside of you. And then the, the last thing is to share. Man, I'm touching on all the things that are really difficult to do. To share means I will actually take a stand for what I believe is the meaning of life. We live in a time where anyone can believe what they want. And we have a phrase, and maybe you've said it, and I know I've said it, but I don't believe it's true. And this is this idea of everyone can do whatever they want as long as they are happy. You ever found yourself saying that? Well, they can do it as long as, as, long as they're happy. But what we're failing to address is that what we say as happiness is actually not true. People aren't happy. They're empty. Because if they don't have a relationship with God through Christ, everything Solomon said is the truth. And that's what the Bible says is, is this is the greater life that we can have. He's called us to abundant life. We're not living for him. That abundance is not there. And so one of the things that you can share if you're a Christ follower is the difference that Jesus has made in your life. You're commanded to do that. It's not popular. Just like giving is not popular. Just like serving is not popular. But this is what Jesus is saying. Put yourself into the ground. Die to what's popular. Die to what's cool. Get a part of something greater than yourself. So you serve, you give, and you share. And sharing just means I'm going to always look for an opportunity to share the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. If people wonder why I'm happy, if people wonder why I have success, if people wonder what I'm doing on a Sunday, if people wonder what I do with my time, if people wonder what's important about me, I do not shy from the opportunity to tell them. Because you never know what's happening in the hearts and lives of people. People are chasing and chasing and chasing, and they're empty. And they're disappointed. And they may be looking to you and seeing something that they want. And if you could point it's not about you and all your own success, but if you could point to the difference that Jesus made in your life and you share that, you do not know how God could use that in the lives of people. But that's how you build the kingdom. 
you build into the church. And as you build in the church, he calls you to serve and sacrifice. So what I'm talking about really is the cost of being a follower of Christ. And if you're not a Christian and you're investigating what it means to make Jesus the boss of your life, it will cost you. It will cost you. There will be pain that will come to you. There might be people that don't understand you, misrepresent you, attack you, ridicule you. And I think we're living in a time, even in the United States, where that's going to be happening more and more. There is a cost. What Jesus is saying is, there's a cost to anything that we do. And what he says, if you could put it back up there, that last scripture we looked at, this is the cost. Whoever loves his life loses it. There are people that are spinning their wheels thinking they have the better way, getting what I want, doing what I want, achieving, believing. But they're going to lose it. They're going to have nothing to show for their life. And they're going to face Jesus in the end and think that they have arms full and trunks full of things. Look, God, look what I did. And all he'll see is it's just wind. There's nothing there. But what Jesus is saying is whoever hates his life in this world will keep it. There's a cost to hating your life. And that doesn't mean you hate yourself. It means that you do not choose the normal path to fulfillment. You don't chase the riches. You don't chase the pleasure. You don't chase advancement. You don't chase relationships. You pursue God. And as you pursue God, he gives you the meaning that you've longed for. Here's a reality that I've found in my own life. When you empty yourself for God and people, you are filled. Again, is the cost. Yes, you're emptying yourself. You're giving up your time. You're giving up your resources. You're spending your energy building into something bigger than you. But as you do that through the sweat, through the blood, and through the tears, whatever it may cost to follow Jesus, you're not empty. You're filled. And I believe this is what the world longs for, to be a part of something greater than themselves. And I really believe that we have a time right now in history, in our country, in our city, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our workplace, where if we were to stop and just take a step back from the grind of all that we're doing, we could see the opportunity to fill people with purpose found in Jesus. And I believe God wants to use us to do that. But it will not happen by doing nothing. It will happen as we build into the kingdom, we build into the church, we serve, we give, and we share. I want to close with this passage, which has brought a lot of comfort for me. Because here's the question. Is this real? Like, really? This kind of like, this is radical. Jesus was the most radical person that ever lived. If you actually do what he says, you are going to be different. But here's the promise. If you do what he says and you remain in him, he will bring lasting fulfillment and purpose. Ultimately, the fulfillment doesn't come in what we're doing. The fulfillment comes in who we invest in, who we spend time with. And what Jesus says, if you spend time with me, I'll fill the void in your life. If you build into the kingdom and you spend time with me, 
I will make sure that you have enough energy and resources to never give up, to do what I've called you to do. Here's a promise uh, in John as well. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, what does that say? He will bear much what? Fruit. See the link there? If one wheat falls into the ground, it's going to die, but what is it going to do? It's going to bear fruit. If you remain in the vine, what's going to happen? You're going to bear much fruit. What does it say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. And we live in a time where there are people apart from God that are doing nothing. They're doing a lot of things, but it's nothing. The wind is there, and they're chasing it. And so I want to encourage you, as you consider what you're spending your time on, and your energy, and your resources. The other thing is, who are you spending your time with? It's not just what you're doing, but who you're spending your time with. And Jesus, he wants to have a relationship with you, and he gives us the resources we need. And so for the Christian, this means spending time with him. And you do that a variety of ways. The first is you, you regularly read the Bible. And if you're not doing that, that's something here at Ridgeview uh, we want to help you with. So part of why we have these small groups, the connect groups, is to encourage you to understand what it means to look at the Bible. And then from there, we also want to help you if you just want to know, well, what do I, what do, I do? Like, how do I read the Bible? Do I open it? Do I just close my eyes? Do I point? What, how does that happen? And we want to help you. And so if you don't know how to read the Bible for yourself, write that on your connection card. Everything that, that, that we say, like, we really mean, and we, we want to follow up, and we want to help you. But reading the Bible is crucial to fulfillment and purpose in your life. That's the truth that God wants to give you. The second is, is prayer. That's another way that we grow spiritually is through praying. Now, I don't know about you. I grew up, I hated prayer. I just thought the best prayer was the shortest prayer because we could eat faster. The greatest prayer was the shortest prayer because we could eat faster. Or the prayer that just, we're going to bed. Or the prayer, it's like whatever we need, it's always the, it's getting past that to get to the next thing. But actually prayer is communicating with God himself. And one of the greatest things that we can do is cry out to God in our frustration. And he hears us. God does not expect you to be all together. Why? Because he knows you can't be without him. So when you approach God, you don't have to polish yourself and think of all the things that you need to say that are polished and nice and pretty and upkept. It's, it's a you come wherever you are, and he will meet you. So if you're frustrated, tell him. Well, how do I tell him? You say, God, I'm frustrated. Did you know you've prayed? That's how it starts. God, I'm frustrated. God, I'm alone. God, I'm scared. God, I'm fearful. God, I'm hopeless. God, I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed, I have all these things going on in my life, and I don't know what to do. That's maybe one of the most powerful prayers you could pray. Where you are, what you're dealing with, and you just told God about it. Prayer is this way of, it's aligning already what God knows, and we, we connect with him and say, okay, I'm, I'm looking to you. I need you. Will you help me? And that's where the prayer and Bible goes together because we talk to God through prayer and then most of the time he speaks to us through the scriptures. 
That's him speaking back. It's giving us the truth. God, I'm overwhelmed. And then you read a scripture, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. That's what Jesus promised. But you don't know those promises unless you read the Bible. So you could see how in our prayer, we're aligning with where we are and where we need to go. And then through the word, God answers us. That's how you continue to build the kingdom of God. It's not just what you're doing through serving, giving, and sharing, but it's who you're doing it with. And I think God wants to do a mighty work right here and right now in our church. And so I want to invite you, if, if you've never committed your life to Christ, there's a place on your connection card where it says, follow up with me about following Jesus. If you've never done that and you check that, we will follow up with you. Again, we want to do what, what we say. And so if you just check this, we'll, we'll basically walk you through what it means to walk into the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of me. If you want to serve, you can mark volunteering. If you want to be in the connect group, you can put groups or write connect group. We want this to be real. I want to give you practical steps. And I haven't done this in a while, but if you want to help us launch this church, as you know, we're just getting started. And every week it's an adventure. Do you know every week I have no idea who's going to show up? I didn't know you were going to be here today. I knew I was, but I didn't know if anyone else was. And that's where we're at. And we just started in February. But God is working and he's changing lives of people. And if you want to be a part of this and launching our church, you can write launch on your connection card. You're going to have a whole essay on there. I've given you so much things to write down. But if, if you want to help us, you can, you can write launch. Like, I, I want to help this church. I want to help you move forward. The kingdom of light. And you, you just write, you write launch on there and, and we'll follow up with you. I'm done. I don't think I have anything else to say. So I'm going to close this out. If the band could come back up. And they're going to lead us in another song. We're going to receive our offering. And just drop that uh, completed connection card in there. And if you have prayer requests, go ahead and finish filling that out. But if you have prayer requests, write that down there on the bottom. And I actually pray, I will pray for you this week with whatever you write. I will pray for you. And so write that down, and we want to help you, and then any other next step that you want to take. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the fact that because you made us, you actually know exactly what we need. And we don't need to focus more on ourselves. We need to focus more on something greater than us, and that's you. And that's the kingdom that is right here and right now. And you want to build it through your people. You could build it without us. You have enough power and resources. You don't even need us. But again, you've chosen to work through humans to bring light to the darkness. So God, will you fill our light, make it bright, and make it burn? May we be spending time with you. God, if people are here and they don't know what it means to relate to you, what it means to pray to you, or, or read the scriptures, will, will you allow us to help and, and connect with them? And I pray if there's anyone here that's never decided to follow Jesus, and they do feel empty, which we all can, and they, they do feel disappointed, and they do feel frustrated, I pray that today they'll decide to follow you, that they'll surrender their life in the kingdom of me, and they'll lay it down before you in the kingdom of God.
God, I pray that you will continue to work among our church, grow our faith, bless the work of our hands, and God, put us in situations where we can bring hope to people that are hopeless, and we can love people that need love, and we can share the truth of who you are to people who desperately need it. May it happen today, this week, in the coming weeks. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.